Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Vox Tablet, the weekly podcast of Tablet Magazine. I'm Sarah Avery. Today, some favorite movies and a sweet clarinet. Artist David Krakauer is best known and beloved for his klezmer music, though he works in other genres too, like jazz and classical and funk. In his newest project, he's crossing mediums. The project is called The Big Picture, and as the name suggests, it has to do with the movies. Along with five other musicians, Krakauer reinterprets memorable songs from films with some Jewish connection. I'm talking about movies like Cabaret, like Sophie's Choice, and Funny Girl. And in a series of live concerts in February at the Museum of Jewish Heritage in Manhattan, these new renditions are accompanied by short animated films made by a visual effects team called Light of Day. The whole thing is suffused with autobiographical echoes, and we're going to get into that in a bit. David Krakauer has very kindly invited us over to his house on the Upper West Side of Manhattan for a chat about the big picture. David Krakauer, welcome to Vox Tablet. Thank you very much. As I mentioned in the introduction, all of the songs that you interpret for this project come from the soundtracks of movies that have some kind of Jewish connection. Uh, movies like Woody Allen's 1975 farce Love and Death. There's a song from Roman Polanski's Holocaust film The Pianist. There's also music from Lenny, which is, of course, the biopic about Lenny Bruce. There's music from the producers, from Cabaret, from Avalon, Life is Beautiful. What does this particular collection of movies mean to you personally? Well, uh, the project was created as a team. Uh, Producer Joseph Baldassar came up with the concept, actually, because my management was looking for something new for me, a new project. And Joseph came up with this concept. And so together we started talking about the films. Some of the films were my personal favorites. Some of them were his personal favorites. Some of them I actually discovered in in the course of doing this project. Um, We were trying together to tell a story with these movies. And, you know, it was interesting because when I made the recording and I got the mastered version back and I listened from beginning to end, suddenly I was like, Ah, there's the story. There's the story of Jews in America. I mean, even though there are there are references to the Holocaust and things that happened in Europe, um, that of course had a huge reverberation for Jews in America. And I really felt like I was watching the story of my family sort of unfold before my eyes or before my ears, and uh, it was quite moving to um you know to hear all all that together so what is that story well i mean you know for example barry levinson's film avalon and the the music the family which is randy newman's unbelievably beautiful and moving um composition the beginning of that film is is a uh you know a man arriving in america July 4th, 1900, and there are fireworks, and he thinks they're for him. And, you know, that just resonated with my family arriving in the early 20th century, arriving at Ellis Island, 
and making their way. My great-grandmother, who came from um, the Ukrainian town now called Lviv, the Polish name was Lvov, um, she was selling, like, buttons and thread to um, young women who were working in a factory, and she got a, a tiny, tiny little shop, like right across from this factory. And the women would come in and buy the stuff that she put one son through medical school, one son through law school, you know, uh, absolutely incredible. And um, my great grandfather was running errands on the Lower East Side. And um, he went into the shop and he was running, just bringing little things over and they were making bed springs by hand wrapping them around a piece of wood. Wow. And he was looking. He was a teenager, maybe 14, 15. He'd probably arrived two or three years earlier from Poland. And he's looking at them. And then the, the proprietor of the shop said to his workers, oh, don't let that dirty little Jew see what you're doing. So my great-grandfather, instead of being insulted, he said to himself, ah, if they're trying to hide this from me, it must be a good business. And that's the business he went into, um, making bed springs. And so this kind of courage and tenacity and strength of character, this is what is seemed to be the through line through all of these films. Um, and I thought, well, you know, that's I this is echoes of my family, and it's echoes really of immigrant families from any group that came over, you know, um, or any group that was forced to come over, like African Americans. You know, we think about struggles uh, over bigotry and adversity and how to get to the next step. That's, I think that's what the show at the end of the day uh, conveys. And the Woody Allen set, we begin that set with uh, Si Tu Vois Ma Mère that was written by my teacher who I never met, the great Sidney Bechet. And Bechet was one of the great New Orleans jazz musicians who, along with Louis Armstrong, created the concept of the soloist in jazz. And when I was 11 years old, I heard a record of Sidney Bechet's, and that was it. I said, this guy isn't just playing his instrument. He's telling stories. And he, he, in 16 bars, he hit me right in the solar plexus. You know, I was like, wow, this is unbelievable. And so um, Woody Allen starts and ends Midnight in Paris with Bechet's music. And I was like, oh, I have to play this song. But I had to figure out my own way of playing it. So I came up with this kind of hip hop version with uh, with beats and a funky guitar. And, and I'm very proud of that particular treatment.
so when you first heard Sidney Bechet play, was that your introduction to playing clarinet, or were you already uh, studying the instrument? Well, I already played the instrument, uh, but not for very long. I was I started when I was ten, and I heard Bechet when I was eleven. I heard this record of Sidney Bechet's. Um, and I had heard the Rhapsody in Blue and the Creation of the World by uh, Darius Mio. And so I, I had an idea of what the clarinet could do. But when I heard Bechet, it was like a whole other thing. It was like, oh, this is a, a medium of communication. This is a very intense and deeply personal um, voice. And so that was really incredible. And I know that Woody Allen is also obsessed with Sidney Bechet. And of course, he plays, when he's in New York, he plays every Monday night and he plays New Orleans jazz. And uh, the bass player on the recording, Greg Cohen, who also plays with John Zorn. So he plays with Woody Allen, John Zorn. And um, Greg was saying, you know, when they go on tour, Woody knows about 800 songs. Wow. And he never repeats the same song twice. And so that, uh, to me, I saw the link suddenly um, of this great, you know, genius of comedy, an actor, writer, and then suddenly the link between that and incredible, what obviously must be a photographic memory and this knowledge of this music. And so to me, this organic love of music and the way he makes his films is, is quite extraordinary. And I mean, for goodness sake, what a, what a Jewish sensibility. I mean, in, in radio days, when the family's sitting around the radio, and so we do body and soul, but I wanted to do body and soul like a dream of the piece because it's such a classic jazz ballad. And this, that was actually a return to jazz for me. I, stopped playing jazz when I was 20 and I didn't go back until uh, and and I actually didn't go back to improvised music until I started playing klezmer in my early 30s and now for me to come back to jazz and body and soul is a complex tune with you know the chord changes going a mile a minute that was a big challenge for me and and but wonderful because you know I was you know I have all the elements of being able to play jazz but I didn't have the um, the study that it takes so you know with this tune and probably with others in the future you know uh, it's going back to jazz for me so this project has been an enormous uh, yeah, a, a kind of a godsend in a way, just taking me back to jazz, but in my own way. And after 25 years of creating my own, my own language and my own voice that I, I finally found through Klezmer.
of the songs on the album, which one did you start working on first? You know, it was an interesting process because at first I thought, you know, we were talking about the project and and then I was thinking, oh, we'll, we'll just hire arrangers and the arrangers will take care of it and I'll just come and play my part because I wasn't really sure exactly what was going on uh, with this project. And, and I was a little, I think, I guess I was a little... Yeah, I was nervous about it, and I wasn't quite sure how I would fit in exactly. Because normally, I start with, uh, you know, let's say klezmer music, and then I uh, do an, uh, my own crazy arrangement of the uh, folk song, you know. But that's that's been my process, you know, very, let's say, coming from deeply inside of myself. So then just like interpret these movie scores was was a huge challenge like doing the Si Tu Vois Ma Mère of Sidney Bechet uh, you know at first I did a version I actually recorded a version where I just kind of played the melody and it was very sweet very straight ahead I was like I don't like this at all this doesn't feel like me and I'd much rather hear Sidney Bechet play this <laughs> you know and then I went in and did this other arrangement and so we had some uh, we did call in um, an arranger, um, um, a guy named Andrew Barrett. He did the beautiful setting of Avalon and of Vilcomen. Um, but then I, I, I started to say, okay, this is only one aspect of the project. I really need to be more hands-on. And I started to get more confidence about it. And so then I said um, there had been discussions about tradition, doing tradition from Fiddler on the Roof. And the first words that came out of my mouth were like, I don't think we should touch Fiddler on the Roof with a 10-foot pole. Why? Well, because Fiddler on the Roof in the, in the 60s was a conscious effort to package Jewish culture for a mass audience. And so... Like for me, you know, coming from, yeah, let's get to the earthy klezmer and do this thing here. Um, for me, like Fiddler on the Roof was, it was always kind of like the, the, the opposite of what I was trying to do. But then I said, okay, I'm going to do the funkiest version of tradition. And I'm really, really proud of that one. Did you go into this project thinking, let's add a visual component to it? How did the animation come into play? Well, I think that was always the intention uh, from the start with the team. I think we wanted to do something original. I mean, aside from the incredibly prohibitive cost of licensing clips from all the, the actual movies, I, I think at the end of the day, we said, let's do something different. Let's do something creative. Let's do something new. And then uh, when Light of Day got a hold of this music and started making these films, uh, kind of 
inversing the relationship of music to movies. Normally, music is kind of the background. Here, the music from films is the foreground, and the films are kind of the background. But these films are are extraordinary and and delicious and and cute and and in the these big emotional places like in in depicting the Holocaust, they're very moving and very powerful. One of the movies in this project that seems like a bit of an outlier to me is Lenny, which is the biopic of Lenny Bruce from 1974. How did Lenny end up in this mix? Lenny Bruce. Uh, you know, if you talk about Jewish sensibility, Lenny Bruce's comedy, when you start to listen to it, is about one-third Yiddish. So many, you know, he goes, oh, yeah, I got spritzed. You know, these <laughs> Yiddish words are all over Lenny Bruce. So Lenny Bruce, to me, uh, you know, uh, I've been closely associated with radical Jewish culture. I made the first radical Jewish culture record on John Zorn's Tzaddik label. So John um, entrusted me with this, which I, I feel deeply honored and grateful to John for that, you know. And so, but I always thought that the, the, the great visionary of radical Jewish culture, uh, you know, pre-our generation was Lenny Bruce, so I, I think the, this deep Jewish uh, sensibility and, you know, the, uh, the piece, Honeycomb, that comes from the movie Lenny is the world of nightclubs, the world of uh, jazz, but a little show busy, you know, not necessarily, uh, let's say, quote unquote, artistic jazz, but it's got that kind of showbiz glitz to it. David Krakauer, thank you so much for letting us into your home and for speaking with us. Oh, thank you, Sarah. Thanks so much. David Krakauer's project, The Big Picture, premieres at the Museum of Jewish Heritage in downtown Manhattan this Wednesday, January 29th. The new CD by the same name comes out on February 18th. If you liked our podcast today, I'm going to take a guess and hope that you did. Why not tell other people about it? Email your friends, share a link on Facebook, however you want to, let everyone know. Vox Tablet is produced by Julie Subrin. I'm Sarah Avery. We thank you very much for listening. We hope you'll join us again next time. <laughs>